Hey there, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Reading Project Podcast. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Emily Laidlaw. We're going to be talking about understanding letter confusion and also how to address it at home and how to support your kids if they are having any kind of letter confusion. We're going to talk a little bit more about what that is and what that means as well. So before we get started, I want to take a minute to introduce Emily to you. So Emily has worked in private and public schools in various capacities, including program director for students with learning differences and as a reading interventionist. She's tutored in person and online for several years now. She has a passion in providing efficient, effective instruction to help students be successful. And she wants to help other tutors, teachers, and families do the same. All right, everyone. Let's go. Welcome to the Reading Project Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Ashley DiMercurio from Your Reading Tutor, LLC. I am a private reading tutor, podcaster, virtual summit host, and business mentor. I'm also a wife and a homeschooling mama to my two kiddos. My mission is to help families, caregivers, and educators build stronger and more confident readers one episode at a time. I want you to know that you don't have to be a teacher to help your struggling reader. Over the last few years, I have helped dozens of families and students, including my own son, move from being reluctant to confident readers. And I'm here to show you that you can too. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the podcast. I'd love to know you're out there. So take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and share it on Instagram. Tag me at your reading tutor. Okay, let's do it. All right. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad to be here with you, Ashley. Yes, yes. So we are going to talk about letter confusion today and what that means and, and how to address it. But why don't you first start by telling us just a little bit more about yourself and your experience related to education. You can't see me, but I'm old and I've been around a million years. I actually started in education with adults and I worked in another career for years and I homeschooled my own six kids about a million years ago when it was not as prevalent and not everything was laid out. And then I went from homeschooling to working in a public school in a school for students with disabilities and differences. And that was such an eye opener for me to see kids with every disability known to man, I think it seemed like it, and usually all together. So it was a very challenging environment and it was great. I got to see the beauty of helping kids succeed and kids that were not being met elsewhere. So, and then I went from that into public education and I got to see what's happening there too for how difficult it is for a teacher who has 30 kids or 26 kids or 28, whatever it is, to give attention to each student to meet their needs. And especially in this area, when the standards for correct letter formation were dropped, at least they were here in Hawaii, they were dropped. So they're not in the kindergarten standards. They're not in the first grade standards. And kids are not taught how to form letters correctly. And I have seen the impact of that, not only in letter reversals, but also in just general reading and writing, how it impacts students. 
though I've had a lot of experience over the years and seen lots of kids. And then I tutor, so I see kids there as well. Yeah, I had a similar experience where I went from, it was both public schools, but one was in a very affluent area outside of DC, where we had lots of resources and lots of support and families were very professional academic families, you know, a lot of lawyers and politicians and doctors in that area to when we moved back to Vermont, the public, I worked at a public school there and then it was totally different. You know, it's just uh, more rural families and, you know, broken homes and not as much income and the school didn't have enough resources. And it, it was really eye opening for me too, because I went from feeling like, all right, I got this thing down, you know, like I'm, I know how to do this teacher thing to then being like, whoa, <laughs> I feel really out of my league. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting that it can be so different in two different states. And now um, we live somewhere totally different and I haven't taught in the public schools, but I imagine it would be a whole nother experience. So, well, um, just in case anyone listening doesn't fully understand what we mean by letter confusion, can you sort of give us like a definition? What does that mean really? Okay. Uh, the most common people talk about is my kid can't tell a B from a D. That is the most common thing we hear. And and then the question arises, does that mean he has dyslexia? What is this? What's going on? You know, he's always reversing B and D. And sometimes the threes and the fives and the whatever, the M and the W, where kids confuse one letter for another letter or because they don't have set what the letter, how it's formed, they're not really sure they know that letter. So... We see it mostly with B's and D's and those that are mirror images. And that mirror image is a really important scientific thing we discuss with letter confusion. The fact that letters can sometimes be symmetrical where they're very similar left to right or up and down. I had a student that I was working with that was struggling with P and Q and then also a little bit with B and D still and they're all, and I had found this great reference online. I wish I could remember the teacher that made it, but it was just, it was talking about how like a bee, right? A bumblebee is a bee, no matter if you turn it, what direction you turn it, right? It's still a bee. But when we look at the letter B, right? And we manipulate it into these different directions, it changes. That's right. So that happens. It's part of human development and it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's a very natural thing that when you're baby looks at you, it doesn't matter if you're looking over the crib from the left side or the right side. Visually, it looks entirely different. If you're looking over a crib at a child, first they see this stringy stuff on one side and the soft pink things that feel warm on his cheek on the other side. But if you go to the other side of the crib, it's reversed. We want the baby to know, and it's part of human development, that that object that he sees, even though it's been entirely flipped, is exactly the same thing. And for instance, if I were to pick up my pencil and I say, I see this long yellow thing and it's narrow at one end and it's got a black tip at one end and the other end has some shiny metal thing and a pink thing. And then I flip it over. I don't have to say, oh my goodness, this is an entirely different object. The black things on the other end and the pink things our brains naturally can say that this object is the same object, whether I'm looking at it from this end or this end or this end or, or up and down. 
and and that's a good thing for human survival, right? We we want to be able to recognize faces. We want to be able to recognize objects as the same thing, friend or foe, family or not. And it's normal. It is called mirror equivalence. And it's a good thing. We have to unlearn it when we get to letters and numbers. And so have you found that in your work, lots of students have this, right? It comes up a lot. It's, it's actually considered normal up through about age seven, and people don't get too concerned about it past age seven, although they find in science that even up through age nine, it's normal for diagonal reversals. For instance, a forward slash and a backslash can be entirely the same in someone's brain up through age nine. But the fact that it's normal doesn't mean we shouldn't address it. I hate the term, oh, it's in, within range of normal, because, well, that doesn't help my kid. I don't care that it's normal. My kid's struggling because it's affecting his reading and writing. And it may be normal, but if you think about, I think the B and D happens in about 6% of English words. Well, if 6% of your words, you have to stop and think, what is that? No, that's going to slow down and affect your ability to read fluently, even at a kindergarten, first grade level where it's normal. It's going to affect you and slow you down. So if we can preemptively give kids the tools to avoid it, or as they're having confusion, if we can give them tools to correct it early, before age eight, we're better off. And some kids are able to move through that developmental phase without any specific instruction, but a lot of kids need support. And what I'm, I think what I'm hearing you saying is that the sooner the better, right? Like they, they, we can benefit from getting started right away on this. Yeah. It's like with speech therapy, they'll say, oh, it's normal for a kid to not pronounce the R until whatever age or the L until this age. But if you can get the child to produce those sounds correctly earlier, why not? You don't have to unteach and and change the habit. Well, I always say wabbit. Well, okay, you've said that, but now let's try to say rabbit and with the rrr. So if you can fix it before it's a problem, we're better off. Right, right. Okay. So what should families be watching for? And then what can they do if they notice that their child is mixing up letters? Well, the best thing, of course, is to read to your student, read to your child and read. And as you're reading, reinforce the left to right directionality of reading. As you're reading a book, you don't have to make a big deal if they're young, but drag your finger from left to right. And as you're looking at words and noticing words, notice them from left to right. It's not just the word, you know, Johnny. It's like, you know, it's from left to right, Johnny, oh, or whatever the word might be. That directionality is really important. There's nothing inherently right about left to right, correct, about left to right. It's just what we've chosen. In the history of uh, written language, and I don't remember whether it's the Sumerians or the Phoenicians, uh, but one of the precursors to English is they would write left to right on one line, right to left, mirrored on the next line, left to right, right to left, because the brain could handle that mirroring. 
And eventually they got to where we'll stick to left to right. We'll just do it all one way. But there's nothing inherently superior to left to right. It's just what we've chosen. And we have to reinforce that with our students, that left to right directionality. So that's important. And then the next thing I would say is make sure you're connecting letters to sounds so that the squiggles on the paper are sounds and the sounds are actually coming out of the mouth. So as they're saying bat, that they're aware that the b comes out of their mouth first before the a or the t. So having directionality and left to right and being aware that those squiggles represent sounds and those sounds are coming out of your mouth in an order. So it's not something difficult. It's just like, oh, when I said bat, the b came out first. Just like in Bobby and ball, the b is first. And that's all part of phonemic awareness, but it all supports. So directionality, that squiggles represent sounds and the sounds come out of your mouth in order. And then the thing that is most helpful, now we've heard of multisensory education and I'm a firm believer in multisensory education, but in research, the multisensory education that really seems to make a difference is connecting articulatory gestures. And that's just a fancy word for saying how the sound is formed in your mouth. That is a big influence. And also writing is a big influence. So while we like to do fun things and create motions when we're teaching, the things that really seem to impact results is connecting to how the sound is formed in your mouth and how you form that letter with your hand as you're writing it. So if we can connect what you see to what your hand does, to what your mouth does, we have the greatest impact. And that's true of any letter. It's, it's especially important for the letters that are easily confused. For example, if I were to say, oh, uh, B and D, they look exactly the same. Well, they are exactly the same. They're just flipped over, right? If I took a pipe cleaner in that shape and turned it in different directions, I'd get B, D, P, Q, sometimes even a G in some fonts, right? It's crazy. But when I say B, and I love doing this with the kids, and I'll use a mirror or look face to face, and like, look at my mouth. What do my lips do when I say B? Feel your lips. Do you feel that your lips are making that line when you say, oh. we look in the mirror, we see, oh yeah, that's a line. Great, when we write it, write the line first. Write the line. And if you, and this is what I say a million times, is letters that begin with a line, start it really close to the letter in front of it. Just put it right up next to it and then you'll always write it in the correct direction. So draw the line, form the belly part. There's no there's no question about which way the belly is going to go if that line is very close to the letter in front of it. We have that B. Oh, now wait, wait a second, wait a second. D. What's your mouth doing when you say D? D. Do you see that my lips are open? Feel your lips. Are your lips open? Your lips are open too. D. Draw the open part first. 
And all of the letters that start with that open part start a little further away and go back towards the other letters. So like on a clock, if you're starting like at the two or the three on a clock, you're starting on the far side and going back. So a lot of kids don't know analog clocks. So we just say, here's the circle. Start on the far side and draw the circle. So your lips make a circle with the D, draw the circle and then go up tall and drop it down. So that's in writing. You can connect what your mouth is doing to the letter in writing. And then in reading, it's the reverse. As I'm going that left to right direction that I've been supporting, if I bump into a line, make your mouth a line. Buh. If I bump into a circle, make your mouth a circle. Duh. And the beauty of this is, you know, you've seen so many things where people put their hands up and say, make a bed, or they put a poster up, or they say, baby with a belly and a bat and a ball and diaper on the whatever. But any of those things that take your mind off of what you're trying to write interfere with the thought process. And I can tell you that there is no third, fourth, fifth grade child that wants to put their pencil down and pick up their hands and make a bed and look at their hands and say, okay, this one's the B. They won't do it. But when you teach them to connect it to their mouths, kids can feel what their mouth is doing without causing any attention to themselves. And kids hate to draw attention to themselves in class, right? So they can go, go about the writing, press their lips together. Oh yeah, that was a B and say, oh, their lips are open and write a D. And in reading, left to right, hit a line, ah, that's a B. Hit a circle, open their mouth. That's really interesting. I, I have never heard anybody say this before. So I'm learning so much as I sit right here with you. This is wonderful. And I have a six-year-old who's still learning her reading and um, I'm definitely going to use this with her because but what you just said about anything that takes you away from the thinking of the reading or thinking of the writing, like I think that's so powerful because our, our kids are any kid I feel like is pretty easily distracted. And then we have some that are even more easily distracted than others. <laughs> so keeping that connection. Like, I just really love that. Cause I, I definitely have the pictures with the bed. And when my son was learning to read, we said the B has a belly D has a diaper one. <laughs> he, he thought was very funny, but this sounds awesome. But if they have to think, think belly or diaper, belly or diaper, which one is it? They're not thinking about what the word is. They're not thinking about the connecting that word in the sentence. So it interferes with all of that fluency of reading and comprehension and connecting thoughts, which is what we want to get to as quickly as possible. But that same connection of what your mouth is doing works for a P and a Q. So if you say, your lips are pressed together. And when you say, your lips form a circle. The same thing happens. Same thing happens. And what I've said to students, there are some students will, who will confuse a B and a P because it's a flip. It is another line of symmetry. So I will say, oh, the balloon has the stick going up like, oh, the B has the stick going up like a balloon. And P goes down. 
and every little kid says, oh, pee goes down. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't say it like I'm, but kids get it. Okay. Okay. I say it once and I rarely ever have to say, you know, balloons, the, the, the sticks going up, but, but the P, the P and the Q has your lips pressed together or G or J. All of the sounds of the Q and the G all have your lips open in a circle. So draw the open part first. Very cool. Awesome. This is wonderful. I think, and I feel like this, you know, is another one of those ways that families can support their kids. It's not, you don't need any special materials. You don't need any special, you know, we, we are learning. I'm right here learning with you and I'm going to try this out with my kiddo, you know? So I think that's, that's what we're about here. We really want to empower families to see that there's a lot of things that you can do to help your child become a reader. And it doesn't have to be super complicated, you know? And for those students who confuse the M and the W, I insist that the letter M is written with the downstroke first. So it's down and up. And I know I've seen hundreds of kids now that just write two humps for an M. But if you do down and up when you're writing an M, the first two strokes on the letter M are closed, like your lips are closed. Mm, your lips are closed. So it's down, up, very closed. No space there, just like your lips. But when you say woo, woo, your lips are open. The first two strokes are down, up, in an open position. So connect what your hand's doing to what your lips are doing to what you see on the paper. Awesome. So do you have any specific tools or resources if parents want to find out more information about handwriting letter formation and correcting it if there's confusion i would find out what the school is using and all curriculum come with correct letter formation but the standard for correct letter formation has been taken out of most states i and there may be individual states that have it in there but i would just ask the teacher what did your you know what have you been teaching or what's in there even if they don't have it in the standard that they really reinforce, it's in their curriculum. And most of them are very good. I would just make sure that the letter D is formed with the circle and then up tall and don't let a student draw it with the line first and then the diaper part of it. But whatever the school's using, I mean, you look like a great parent, right? When you go and you say, hey, can you just share with me the instructions that you guys are using so I can support it at home? That's a great thing. It's a great way to connect with school and home. I think that is the future of success in schools, right? Is that we we really need to work together as a team to support our kiddos because some schools may not even be teaching for very long with very much consistency or effectiveness that handwriting, you know, and handwriting is important. And I was talking with another educator. She was saying that like the calendar time, they took, they had to drop calendar time in her school system because it wasn't a, like, they didn't have time for like morning meetings. So like she was running into all these kids who don't know days of the week. We're like, forget about that. We, we don't think we take it for granted. There's a lot of things I think that adults, it happens to me too. You know, we take for granted these words that are, we just know and we say, and, but we have to teach our children. And if schools are being overburdened for whatever reason, and they're having to make these really tough choices, I think if we can 
stay in communication, you know, as a team to help our kids. So absolutely. And I don't remember who published it, but there's a researcher who published the quote is, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't have it in front of me. The greatest predictor of higher level quality writing composition in middle schools, fifth grade and up, we would think the greatest predictor would be nice vocabulary, you know, good reading skills, uh, being read to as a child, all those things that we might think are good predictors of who makes the best writers in middle school. The actual variable that predicted the best writers was fluent handwriting down in K-1. When kids could write well, just forming their letters well in K-1, uh, kindergarten and first grade, it frees up their thinking. They're not thinking about how to form the letter anymore. They get to think about what they want to say. And that's the important thing. So if you have a student that is slow about writing and has, you can see when they're having to think about how do I form this letter and it, boy, it takes them way too long to think about actually physically writing the word, help there will help everything further down the road because it frees up their brain to the more important things, which is thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. A good tip. I know my son, he's in going into fifth grade this year and he definitely does not love writing things by hand. <laughs> we do um, mail Monday in our homeschool. So we have the kids write a letter, like an actual snail mail letter to either a friend or family every Monday. And he just every Monday is, why can't I just send an email? And I'm like, because you have to learn to write. <laughs> so I'm sure he's just not very happy with me. <laughs> but <laughs> it's not, not our job <laughs> as, as parent teachers when you're homeschooling to make them happy. It's when you're that teacher, it's to instill that love for education, but to help them be successful. When my, when my first son, now he's 40, but when my first son went to college, he said to me, uh, mom, mom, you can relax. I'm really well prepared for college. He was thinking of all the work we did in homeschooling. And I said, honey, you're really well prepared for college because I didn't relax. You know, we work hard. We work hard. Yes, absolutely. Well, I always like to end my guest interviews by just talking about books. So if you have a favorite childhood book or a book you read to your kids a hundred times or a book you love now with students. <laughs> I, I read books. And I, I love reading to my kids. My, I just spent the weekend with one of my grandsons. And um, anytime I got busy with his parents, talking with his parents, I mean, I, I love my son. Of course, I'm going to talk to him. But anytime he felt left out, he would say, I think I'm going to go snuggle in my bed with a book because he knew that would get me. He knew that would get me to come. <laughs> but um I asked my now 20-year-old son, what books do you remember me reading to you? And he said, oh, King Bidgood's in the bathtub. Now he's 20. He quoted it to me. He quoted it to me. <laughs> and then, you know, there were classics that I loved, old classics. And what I love about old books, and I, I didn't just read old books, but I love that the language 
is different from what we use. And I wanted my kids to hear language other than what I would speak. And the syntax, the way we put sentences together, there's beauty in language. And I love for them to be exposed to that. So I would read to them Treasure Island and Jim talking about Dr. Livesey and Squire Trelawney and that old seaman with the saber cut across his cheek, you know, and we just, just letting the words form pictures in their minds. I, I love all of it. Yes. My son is a huge audiobook fan and he is listening to not Treasure Island. And now I'm going to totally forget what it's called, but it's another one of those classics and he's listened to it several times. Oh, no. Oh, Swiss Family, Swiss Family Robinson with the fan. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I love stories. I love stories where there's, where people overcome, because I always wanted my kids to be overcomers. Like, it doesn't matter what life's going to throw at you, because you're going to get garbage in your life. You're going to find a way to overcome. And Swiss Family Robinson and Robinson Crusoe and Treasure Island and and all those classics, uh, just beautiful and they're beautiful language beautiful language and different language not the way we speak today so I loved all that and and then I loved box and socks and you know when uh when the Tweedle Beetles battle in the in the with their paddles in a puddle and then puddles on a in a bottle on a poodle eating noodle I mean you know it was just I loved all that I loved all that that's great. Uh, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much, Emily. Where can people find, where can people find you on the internet if they want to follow along with you or what you're working on? My videos are on YouTube. My name's Emily Laidlaw. My channel is named Emily Laidlaw because I'm so creative in that way. So I have many, many videos, mostly aimed at teachers but there are tips in there that are great for parents too. My products are in Teachers Pay Teachers and I have a product specifically for B and D and P reversals just to give extra practice where you can listen to the sound of a word and determine which letter it is or when you can look at a word chain and a word chain is when you change one letter, you go from bid to bed to bad to dad to pad, you know, et cetera, et cetera, where your brain's catching on that one sound is changing, one letter is changing, one sound is changing, what is that sound change? And just reinforcing what's happening in your mouth by really concentrating on the words that have the Bs and Ds and some Ps in there as well, yeah. That sounds good. So we'll make sure to include those links down in the show notes so that people can, can check it out and come find you. Yeah. And I'm trying to get into Instagram and I will be posting more things there, but I'm on Facebook as Emily Laidlaw, your tutoring support. Okay, great. That sounds good. All right, Emily. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. Uh -huh. Thank you for having me. I hope it's helpful to others. Wow, everyone. That was a really amazing conversation with Emily. If you listened through to the whole episode, you even heard me say, you know, I've never heard anyone share this before. This is new to me. The way she talked about helping kids with letter reversals. It was really amazing. So quick couple of things I want to sort of wrap up 
one thing to remember is that so many children have trouble with letter reversals. It's super, super common. It's part of normal development. And most kids, you know, you see it show up until around age seven. And then a lot of kids, you know, figure, figure it out and they move through that. But a lot of kids need more support, right? They need specific instruction on how to move past that letter confusion. Uh, the letters that are commonly mixed up are B, D, P, and Q, as well as M and W. And there were four things that Emily shared that can really help kids with learning that these are different letters. So number one, read as much as you can and talk about how we read from left to right and connect the letters that we use in writing to the sounds. Then connect that to how the sound is formed in your mouth. So really paying attention. Um, I was just talking to a parent last week that I work with about their child and some sounds they were struggling with. And I said, you know, we don't think about what our teeth and lips and tongue, we don't think about what they're doing when we make these sounds. And so if your child is struggling, you have to slow down and you have to think about what does your mouth actually look like when you make the rrr sound or the b sound. And then you can help your child to also make that sound right and figure it out because then you're thinking about uh, what does it actually feel like to make that sound. You're going to have to listen to the episode to hear how Emily explains how you can help your child with learning B's and D's and P's and Q's and connecting as they're reading, you know, what are they seeing to what their mouth needs to do or what their hand needs to do to write. She explained it well, and I'm not even going to try to paraphrase. So you're going to want to definitely make sure you listen to all of that. I'm going to go back and listen again and take some more notes. And one thing that you can do to help your kids be successful uh, in reading and writing is helping them to master handwriting, right? Helping them with correct letter formation so that they don't have to think about what they're writing so they can think about what, what they want to say, what they want to write. And by mastering their handwriting, you're freeing up their thinking. They're no longer thinking about how to, how to write the letter. All right, everyone. That was an awesome episode with Emily. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to know if you are listening and you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you thank you all so much for listening. It truly means the world to me. If you love this podcast and have found it helpful and you want to help us reach more families, you could do one of two things or both. Just take a screenshot and text your three best friends or teacher friends, encouraging them to check out the podcast or take a moment and head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I love reading the reviews and hearing what you're enjoying about the show and how the show is helping you at home. And I'd love to be able to give you a shout out on the show and share your review with everyone. So thanks again. Until next time, keep reading.